excited to share with you. Uh, as I told you last week, we were getting started on something. I'm very pleased that we have so many people in the room to be able to hear this because I spent some time, uh, as I told you I would, uh, studying for this message. So I want to just get right into it. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. And, uh, and I'll uh, share our verses and we'll get through this. Uh, and then Shelby will be back up to play another song for us, right, manager? Yes. As long as she's not choked up anymore. Is she good? Okay, okay. Uh, all right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It'll be on the screen. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands, your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I've titled this message the S word. The S word. And no, not the cuss word. Um, so last week, <laughs> that was just for Ivy. That's my wife, everybody. She laughs at my jokes. Um, last week, I, I, I divulged to you and I showed you uh, that the word submission, the concept of submission is probably one of the most pivotal things that exists or in our existence. And I talked about how it doesn't mean superiority or inferiority. It doesn't mean inte intelligence or intellect or equality or inequality, ability or inability. Uh, but that submission was something to be treasured, something to be cherished as something vital to our existence. Because the, the eternal state of our souls rests on our willingness to submit. We believe in submission. We believe that the Son submitted Himself to the Father and gave up His life for us. We believe that when we submit ourselves to Jesus, we too have eternal life. We believe in the authority and submission structure. We already know that, that we believe in that. But, I've titled this the S-word because there's still a negative connotation surrounding this word, submission. Uh, there is still a cringe that remains when you hear the word. A tensing up, like it's not a comfortable term to talk about. Even when I began to read those words tonight, some of you weren't here last week and you're like, oh gosh, what are we doing tonight? I don't know about this. Uh, so I want to first discuss that a little bit. I want to start by talking about the connotation that surrounds this word submission. The, tonight is all about the S word, submission. What do we think of when we hear the word submission? And you may have things that come to your mind. This isn't really a forum, so I'm going to fill in the blanks as if you already told me then these were your answers. So, many of us probably think when we hear submission, we hear not getting our way not getting what we want. Uh, many of us hear suppression. Many of us probably hear silence. 
many of us, that's, that's kind of an oxymoron here, silence, that's funny. Uh, my sense of humor. Anyways, many of us may think ultimatum. You can either submit to me in this facet or this. It's either my way or the highway, an ultimatum. Many of us probably think slavery when we think of submission. And some of us take it so far as to think it means abuse. You are abusing me if you're telling me to come underneath your will. Willingly come underneath your will. But I want to talk about why that is. Why is it that that's the connotation? Why is it that those are the things that we think of when we think of the, the term submission? And if we're honest with ourselves, isn't it because of the culture that has placed these definitions on the term submission? If we're honest with ourselves, I don't think one day we just woke up and that was what we thought of when we thought submission. I think it was actually a, a ripple effect of over time, things happening in our culture and people talking about it, and this has become the connotation that the word carries. I want you to think about it. Isn't there, and I'm going to be talking a lot tonight, pretty much the whole time, within the context of a marriage, because I already I've talked about husbands and wives. This is going to be within the context of a marriage. So if you're not married, this is still something that you can peer into because isn't that the goal, right? You know, so you can still learn from this. This is still a structure that will help you in your life in looking and searching for the partner that you want to have. So that was just a little side note. But isn't there a lot of pressure on a man, on the husband? That's where I'm going to start because many of you are like, what do you mean pressure? I mean, ladies, you're like, I'm sick of hearing about this pressure on the man. When are you going to talk about the pressure that's on us? I'm going to get there. Isn't there a lot of pressure on the man, on the husband? Hey, hey you got to lay down the law. You got to show her who's boss. You got to assert yourself as the leader. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get through this message tonight. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. Um, I love your honesty. Thank you. Um, if you don't do those things, then you're weak. And that's the pressure that exists on a husband in a, in a relationship with his wife underneath this context that exists on a man in terms of a relationship with a woman. Now, while at the same time, I want to stop there and I want to take it to the other side. You have this feminine movement, feminist movement, and it, it goes like this, terms like, you don't need a man, are said. You are your own person. We can do anything a man can do. Don't take that from him. And I, this term always gets me, it kind of... Makes me makes my skin crawl. Um, now he's just mansplaining. Have you heard the mansplaining? Uh, sorry. But this is not to knock on women. And it's not to build up men. I want you to understand something tonight and where I'm going. Both of these viewpoints have led to a misrepresentation of what submission really is and what it really is intended for and what it means. Underneath these things, you see there's pressure on a man to say 
to, to lay down the law, per se, and he thinks that submission is about being a man, standing up, asserting himself, almost to the point of over-compensating over, uh, and misrepresenting this term of submission in his head because the men around him in the culture has told him that this is what submission looks like. Your wife needs to get in line, and you need to get her in line. There's that that exists. And then on the other side, the women are being told, don't you, don't you submit. Don't you come under a man. You don't even need a man. We can do everything a man. And that is what is happening, and it has led to a misrepresentation. Now it feels threatening. So now when you hear submission, you, you feel threatened. You feel like a lack of control. You, it's a fearful term. It's a triggering term. Even to the point of when I mention these verses, you're like, oh, where are we going tonight? It's a triggering term. Or maybe in it, within your own relationships, it's triggering and it brings up an instance in your life that you're currently still dealing with where a decision needs to be made and there is roles to be played and it hasn't played out yet and it makes you uncomfortable. Because on one side, you have this toxic masculine ideology of men clouding men's viewpoint on what the word actually means. And then on this other side, you have this toxic feminist ideology clouding the women's view of what the word actually means. And it's creating this division, hatred towards the opposite sex. Do you see what it's doing? Do you see how it's been distorted? And, and that was never the intention? Do you see how the world has twisted it? And when you hear it, now you'd never want to hear it. You don't want to talk about it. Because it's something that's controversial. And it's creating division and hatred. Which is leading to the downfall of the purity and the sanctity of this authority and submission structure that God has set in motion that I talked about last week. And the authority submission structure is actually there to create unity. Something that was created to have unity is causing division. The authority and submission structure was, is intended to unify us, and it's probably dividing us more than ever here in 2023. So this is a very pivotal message that I want you to hear and peer into tonight for your own relationships. And I believe Christians have even contributed to this as well. There are a great deal of people who believe in the Christian faith that women, now I'd love to get a poll of what everybody thinks about this. I would never do that because it would just cause a fight. But I, I just love, think this stuff is interesting. But there are people who believe women are not allowed to be in positions of leadership. Not only in the church, but in life. That women are not meant to be and not supposed to be in positions of leadership. And I would say within the Christian faith, a lot of people have taken this from in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to a specific church about a way that they need to conduct themselves within the context of what was going on within that church. And he says something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, you can look it up, you can do your own study, it's very interesting. 
he says something to the effect that the women should stay silent. Many Christians have taken this as a blanket statement to mean that women should not be in positions of leadership and women should not speak up. That is not at all the heart of the Scripture. Because we see throughout countless times throughout the Bible, we see women leaders throughout Scripture, that, and that is obviously not the heart of God. We see countless women leading ministry. Today, you can use your own experience of women leaders and pastors who are making a huge impact for the Christian faith. So here's what I want to do. I want to go to uh, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 2, and it will also be on the screen. And I want you to see this as something where I'm just going to put layers and layers upon this argument, and I want you to see where I'm going with this. It says, male and female created he them. I didn't read that right, I don't think, created he them. No, this is, <laughs> okay, I'm going to explain something to you. I got the King James Version on this particular verse. That's why it's reading a little weird for me. And I, I did that for a specific word that's in here. It's in some other uh, translations as well, but I wanted you to see the point here. He created them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Do you see that? I'm going I'm to get further. I'm going to get a little further. Let, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay. Now I want you to take these two verses, and I want to show you what happened here. You have from the beginning, God created both male and female. Yet from the beginning, their name was Adam. Their name was called Adam. That's the word that I wanted us to catch. It also means mankind. It means human. But they were an entity together. They were not separate. They were of one. That is why in Genesis 2, when God creates Eve, he takes a rib from Adam, creates Eve, breathes life into Eve, and then Adam says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then in verse 24, it says this, in Genesis 2, 24, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is, uh, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Do you see, are you starting to see a picture here? You have both man and you have woman with one name. And they have one name, and they are called Adam. They are called human. They are called mankind. They are, not, they are not noted as being separate. They are noted as being one flesh, as being one entity. They are called Adam. And then in verse 27, it says that God created them, and he blessed them, them. Notice the them. Notice the plural. He created them, and he said, oh, here's the, he, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and subdue this land. So what is it telling us from the beginning? That they were one flesh, they were called Adam, and they were meant to rule together. To be in authority together. Both man and woman. I'm trying to make the point 
that we were made for each other. Man and woman, male and female, we were made for one another. We were made to be in relationship together. He literally took part of Adam to make Eve, and that is why when we come together, we are whole. That's why marriage is such a beautiful thing. That's why I do weddings for a living. I'm kidding. That's not why I do it. It makes good money. Anyways, um, but it's a beautiful thing when you bring male and female together in the unity bond of marriage. That's why it says that we, the church, is the bride of Christ. It's meant to be this whole portrait, this whole picture of marriage. We are the same model as Christ and his church. So this structure that you see between Christ and his church is the same structure that you see in a marriage. And that is the context of which we should look at Ephesians 5 with. We're made for one another. We are interdependent of one another. And you have men, toxic masculinity, saying, you need to, it's my way that you need to make her submit. And we have women saying, you don't need a man. Well, you, you can do it all by yourself. You don't need a man. And we're completely forgetting that we are interdependent of one another. In the beginning, he, we were called the first Adam, male and female. We actually need each other, and we're pit against each other because of the culture. Think about it. This is cool. The first woman came from man. But every man after has come from a woman. I believe, it's a, I believe it's a perfect portrait of how we need each other. We are interdependent. We are interconnected. We are equal in value and significance. There is no debate there. Yet it's causing a lot of debates in our relationships. It's causing a lot of debates in our society. It's causing these movements that are creating division. So what are we supposed to take from the term submission? I wanted to get you through that first. Now I'm going to get into submission in terms of what it means. I wanted you to see that we're equal in value and significant, and we need each other deeply. We cannot exist apart from one another. We complete one another. Me and you, baby, we complete one another. <laughs> I feel like nobody else was paying attention when I said that. She was like, no, we don't. We don't really. I... <laughs> uh, now, to the subject of submission, I want you to recognize something very interesting. And I broke this out for you because I, I think it needs to be said. I don't know if it's ever been said in church before, but it's going to be said tonight here in this church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 has always been the verse quoted. The men in the room are going to hate me after this. You're like, man, you're tearing it all apart. You're messing it all up. We had them right in line where we wanted them, and you're just messing it all up. But Ephesians 5.22 is the verse that's always quoted. Wives, submit to your husbands. Isn't that what we all... That's the, that's the famous line? When you, when you got to get them in line or whatever... But notice, <laughs> this message is just going right over his head, okay? <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, notice the verse right before it. Verse 21. That's why I started with verse 21 tonight. 
says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It blew my mind. You got to be kidding me. I would like to introduce you to the concept that I call mutual submission. I mean, guys, have we been kidding ourselves this whole time? Thinking it's the, all the wives' job to submit? That's their, that's exclusive to the wife, is to submit? Verse 21, it says it right there, submit to one another. And I'm going to prove it to you because Ephesians 5.25, it gives us our call. So it says, wives, submit to your husband. This is your call and everything they do. Now, men, hey, hey, gentlemen. So the whole context starts with 21. Starts with 21 where it says, submit to one another. So we must read it all in that context. So the whole thing, this, this whole passage right here is actually all talking about submission. It says, wives, submit. And then listen what it says, gentlemen. It says this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What a call. What a daunting task. Do we understand the great lengths that Jesus went to to give up his life, lay down his life for his bride? And this is the call that's on husbands. So do you not see that inside of this love for my wife is submitting and honoring her as well? Do you not see the submission there? Do you not see the mutual submission? Giving up my life, laying down my life for my wife. You're trying to tell me that we don't have to submit? <laughs> That's a tall task. That's going to take a lot of submission. Now, gentlemen, there is a caveat. If there is a decision that must be made that you and your spouse don't see eye to eye on, then yes, like I said last week, there is a structure to this. There is a chain of command, and that falls to the husband to make that decision as 1 Corinthians chapter 11, remember, Husbands are the head of their wives, just as Christ is the head of every man. So if there is something that's not seen eye to eye on, then yes, the wife is to come under that decision in submission. But catch this, gentlemen, and this is where I think we miss it, because we see that as a domineering thing. We don't see eye to eye, well, this is the way it's going to be, my way or the highway. You know, ultimately, I've got to give an answer to God for it. I've got to give an account for this. You submit, woman, you know. And that's the way we treat it, like a domineering, abusive type attitude, you know. But I want you to see very clearly here, this is the wrong way. This is supposed to be us being one flesh, coexisting together, submitting together, under submission in reverence for Christ. Me loving her just as Christ loved the church. And if there is that decision that's ever to be made that we don't see eye to eye on, then I'm supposed to hear her out in communication 
and hear out all of her wisdom on the situation. And then, and only then, if I still see it fit to make the decision that is alternate of hers, that is the ultimate submit moment. But only then. And I think it, it quickly becomes like this thing of like, you're going to do this. And that's never the way it's supposed to be. It's never the way it's supposed to be. That, but there is a heavy call on the woman in that respect, in the wife, to come under that in that moment. So let's look at that in a real world example. And maybe this will make sense of it for you. And I'll sit down to tell this story. So I was listening to this podcast and there was this husband and wife and they were given a real world example and I thought this is perfect. I, I want to share this one. Um, of a moment where this wife struggled to submit to her husband. This, uh, their child is 11 years old and the husband has this thing where he does not want his children to see PG-13 movies regardless of anything. They cannot see PG-13 movies until they are 13. And the wife felt differently that, deter that she felt like they could use, they could determine uh, whether that movie was fit for their child at 11. So it didn't have to be a blanket thing of like, they can't see anything, you know, because ratings, they, you know, they're not consistent at all. So that's the way she felt on it. He felt differently because he was raised in a household where you don't see a PG-13 movie until you're 13. Regardless of what it is, doesn't matter. There are no exceptions, and that's the way it's going to be. Well, she felt the way she did. He felt the way he did. It caused a debate. It caused an argument. And then... Ultimately, the decision was made to, again, not let their child see these PG-13 movies until they're 13. And she, he was saying, I felt like you really didn't submit in that moment. And, and she made a great point. She said, I can disagree with you and yet still submit. She said, I want you to see that I still did submit to your leadership and your authority and he's not seen a PG-13 movie yet, and he won't until you see it fit that he should. And I want you to see how that played out because I love that example. It's just a, it's just a simple example. There's other things I'm sure we have going on in our own lives, but you can disagree yet still fall under that submission and know your role and know their leadership, know their authority, and you can come under that and you can do right by going with that. And she even says to this day, I don't understand it. I disagree with it, and I'll probably always disagree with it, but I'm willing to submit to your authority in that way. So there is a little bit of an example of how that can take place in the relationship with just a real world example. But now I want to close, and I want you to I want you to hear me out on, and on all of this because there's something I want to mention as I close. Um, submission has been misunderstood. I already said it's been misrepresented, but it's been misunderstood as this thing called surrender. Ah, catch this.
someone can make you surrender. Someone's overpowering you and they're domineering you. Say they're fighting you, they're on top of you and they're beating you up or whatever. They can make you give up. They can make you wave a white flag. They can make you tap out. Surrender is very different than submission and I want you to see that. But that's the beautiful thing about submission. It is a choice. No one, men and women alike, because this is mutual submission, I want you to see this. No one can make you submit, which is why it is nothing to be threatened by or afraid of. It's not something that we should uh, be fearful of. It's not something that we should run the other way when we hear the term. It is an honor to submit myself. Catch what I'm saying here. It is an honor and a privilege to submit myself to my partner. So when it says submit yourselves to one another, that should be a joy. Because I want you to see my point and the reason I'm saying that. Your spouse, your significant other, and maybe for some of you who don't have one yet, your future significant other is someone you love. Why would it be such a bad thing to submit to someone you love? We've been looking at this all wrong. It's like the day we get married, that day's the greatest. We'll do anything for that person. They could ask anything of us. But then everything, every day after that, it's like we have a distorted view, like they're trying to control us. Why would it be a bad thing to submit to someone you love? You wouldn't have married them if you didn't trust them. You wouldn't have married them if you didn't think they had your best interest at heart. So when I submit to my significant other, when you submit to your significant other, you're making a love declaration. You're saying, I love my spouse. I trust my spouse. I no longer make decisions on my own because I have a helpmate that makes me better. And that brings the best out of me. I have someone that makes me better than just me. Do you know you married them for the disagreements too? You need that tension. You need that friction. You need that sharpening. That's actually making you better. Because if you always did what you thought was best, you're going to be wrong a lot of times. But when you come together with two, Bible says a cord of three strings is not easily a cord of three strings is not easily broken. You, your significant other in Christ, when that comes together, why would I not want to submit? I'm talking to husbands and I'm talking to wives. I'm talking to male and I'm talking to female. Ask yourselves, why don't I want what they want for me? 
do they not want what's best for me? Now, if you're in, a, you're in an abusive situation, relationship, that's different. See me later and we'll talk about that. That's not what I'm talking about. If you know they love you, you know they love Christ, and you're thinking it's a bad idea to listen when they're trying to tell you something, you think it's a bad idea to, to conversate and communicate when you have a disagreement and just say, this is... Listen, woman, you're going to follow me. You were made for one another. You make up the body of Christ. You and that person are literally in the eyes of Jesus, one. And when you choose not to submit to one another, to willingly, no one can make you. That's not, that's abusive. That's not submission. So when you tell them what to do and you think they're doing it, you're like, ah, they get it. That's the scriptures right there. That's abuse. That's not submission. Submission is they love me. Why? Even though I disagree with them, they want my provision. They want my protection. They are for me. They're for us. They're for our future. They're for our kids. Why would I not consider what they have to say? Why would I not consider this structure that God has set in place? And you know what happens when this takes place? When you submit, when you willingly want that. We're simultaneously recommitting ourselves to the structure that God has set in place for our good. We're not only connecting with our significant other, we are connecting with the Father. When we don't submit, we are disconnecting ourselves from something that God sees as a whole piece. When, that something that he sees as one. But when we come together, we're coming into agreement with that. You're saying we are one. And we commit ourselves to your structure because you willingly laid down your life. Father, may this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Do you see Jesus in that scripture even disagreeing in that moment? But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. We are one in the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we do this thing together. You are the head of my body. That's what Jesus did for you. But he did it so that you could model it in your own life. Because it will set you free when you commit to this authority and submission structure. It's a special thing, church.
Can we change the connotation? Can we change the way that we look at the S word? Can submission be something that we're joyful about? Can it be something that we willingly get to commit to? Can it be something we're excited about? That's what I want for my relationships. That's what I want for your relationships. You know everything in this life, I don't even have to go through it because we already know this, but everything in this life has an authority and submission structure. Every team has a coach. Every government has an authority or a president. All the soldiers have generals. Like this, every classroom has a teacher. I can preach all night about this. It is something we've bought into as a, as, as a society that is successful, yet we're bickering about it on the streets like it's something to divide us and it's something that's bad. It's God's idea. It works. It works. There's nothing like that cohesion when it works. We've seen what happens when a government doesn't get along with its leader. It's division. You've seen in sports when teams don't get along with their coach. You've seen in your relationship when you don't get along with your spouse what happens. But I'm believing in renewed sense of this tonight. I'm believing in mutual submission. I'm believing that we're going to capture that right now. I'm going to pray. You can bow your heads. I'm believing that for your life right now. Go ahead, bow your heads all over this room. I'm believing that tonight we're going to buy in to not verse 22, but verse 21. That we would submit ourselves to each other in reverence for Christ, in honor of Christ. Make that commitment in your own relationship. Make it daily, make it with your actions, and make it with your words. I think it's time we start having a little bit more communication in our relationships. Instead of this is the way it's going to be, let's start talking about it. Let's start hearing out each other's wisdom about it. Let's start going to the Father about it. It's the way this thing's supposed to roll. It's the way this thing's supposed to work. And, and I think we can't lose sight of it because it is the most important thing. It's the most pivotal thing in our lives because our eternal souls rest on our willingness to commit to this structure. Jesus, we say thank you right now for renewing our minds tonight about your perfect structure. I'm praying all over this room that people would be set free in their relationships. I'm believing tonight that people are going to walk out of this room. They're going to have conversations about things that they stopped having conversations about. They're going to get it worked out. There's going to be an act of mutual submission to you. There's going to be husbands loving their wives and willing to give up their lives just as you did for us. There's going to be wives that are so excited because their husband has 
their best interest at heart. That their significant other brings out the best in them, so that's what they choose. May we recommit our relationships back to you, Father. May we walk in submission each day. May we carry this structure as a portrait to this world. May people ask the questions, how does your relationship last? How do you work out this fight? And when they ask, we're going to tell them. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you.